Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Hoover. It is Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Hoover, and for the next 30 minutes, I am in your ear. It's Friday, January 3rd. We do this every single day. If you call yourself a Sooner fan, well, then you need to tell your friends, tell your family, heck, tell your flying snake that you are Locked On Sooners. Again, I'm John Hoover from 107.7 The Franchise in Oklahoma City, 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. You know the drill. Read my stuff at thefranchiseok.com and sportingnews.com. Listen to the Franchise Inside OU podcast. Watch me on YouTube at John Hoover. Follow me on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Like me on Facebook at John E. Hoover Media. And follow Locked On Sooners on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Lots on the Franchise website, thefranchiseok.com, as we're about to get to. So let's get this thing started. Okay, first things first, we do have a lot of headlines to get to, but I need to let you know first that today is a special episode of Locked On Sooners. You know how we usually have like a segment with Blink and Riley? You know, sometimes we let it go a little bit and have two segments. Well, as a late Christmas present to you guys, and maybe as a New Year's resolution for me, today's pod will be three segments, three with Blink and Riley. That's right. Pretty much the whole show with your favorite OU stats nerd, Stephen Smith. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to this. You're going to love the topics that we dig into today. So let's get started real quick. Talk recruiting and NFL. You've heard by now that Brock Vandegrift has decommitted the five-star quarterback from Georgia. Well, yesterday we find out that, no real surprise, Chandler Morris, the four-star quarterback from Dallas, not only committed to OU during the Under Armour All-American game, but he actually signed the letter of intent with the Sooners way back in December on signing day. I mean, we must have asked Lincoln Riley a half a dozen times, starting with the signing day on December 18th, what he was going to do about signing a 2020 quarterback. And he must have given us a half a dozen non-answers. Hats off to him for keeping it under wraps. Sly guy, that Lincoln Riley. Anyway, Chandler Morris is like 5'10", 5'11". He's a scoot-around quarterback. I wouldn't say run around like uh, like a Jalen Hurts, but he's a scoot-around guy. He's going to beat you with his feet. He's going to buy time. He won a state championship, and he went undefeated his junior year, Class 5A in Texas. You know, he passed for a jillion yards and ran for a bunch of touchdowns. He's going to make a real nice college player, I have no doubt. Vandegrift is six foot five, six six. He runs around a bit too, but he's more of a prototype pocket passer. So it should be interesting to see where Vandegrift eventually goes, and it should be fun to watch Morris develop in college. So earlier yesterday, we found out that Kenneth Murray has declared for the NFL draft. I don't think there was any suspense about this at all. Smart move by Kenneth. I think he's going to make a great pro. He's got the frame. He's got the skill. He's got the brain. And uh, he's got an unbelievably strong heart. A couple quick notes about Kenneth. His 28 tackles last year against Army set the school record. He finished 2018 with 155 tackles, which is the eighth most in school history. He had 102 this year. And his career total of 335 ties him for 11th in OU history with none other than Leroy Selman. How about that? Kenneth joins C.D. Lamb as the only Sooners so far to make the jump. I do still expect Creed Humphrey to follow. Although, while I think Creed has the ability I think he knows he has the ability to play in the NFL. I also think he's smart enough to realize that another year playing for Bill Biedenboe in college might take him from a second round or a third round draft pick in this year to a first round pick next year. We're talking about a lot of money here, people. So make a little today or make a lot tomorrow. It's up to him. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's get into the good stuff. Lincoln Riley. Stephen Smith joins us. Stephen, 
uh, kind of a rough New Year's for Sooner fans, but you guys should be getting used to it by now. A lot of disappointment in the playoff. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was hard to watch. You know that game. I I really think that game could have been if LSU wanted to win that game a hundred to nothing. They could have. That was. I I've seen some blowouts, some just some games where Oklahoma just absolutely didn't show up, and that was one for the ages. I mean, that's right up there with USC in the early 2000s. Like that's. That was crazy. I put put it this way, a lot of stats kind of look at plays that are, you know, during regular gameplay and then there's something they call garbage time, which they actually define as in uh, if it's the second quarter and a team's winning by 38, third quarter winning by 28 or fourth quarter winning by 22, that's considered garbage time. 44% of the plays that happened in that game were during garbage time. Oh, man. That's good. That's because that was a garbage game. It, it was a garbage game. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, you, it's hard to just sit and, yes, it's obviously better to go to the college football playoff than to not go to the college football playoff. But every single year it gets harder and harder to, like, make that argument when you just lose the game, you just lose the first game and, you know, oh, and four now. Uh, yes. Great. You went to four college football playoffs, but you got to win one. You got to win a game, a football game. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And that's two years in a row. If you go back three years, the, the second half of the Rose Bowl, uh, they blew the big lead, 17 point lead there. They fall behind 28 nothing to to uh, Alabama, and they come back, make a game of it. Kyler Murray and those guys come back and made a little bit of a game of it, tried to get within 11 a couple of times, unable to do that. But this one was never close. This one from the first three and out, which went backwards, to LSU's first possession, which was three and out into the end zone, three and in, I guess. Uh, it was never close, and that kind of shocks me a little bit because I've, I've, I covered the Orange Bowl in 2004. That one was competitive early. It actually was. Believe it or not, people forget Jason White uh, was, was good early on. First couple of drives, he was really good. Then they threw that interception. Then they had the fumbled punt. And then it just the team just quit after that. This team, I didn't think they ever quit, but they were not in it on the same stage with LSU talent-wise. And I think that jumped out at, off the screen this time. Yeah, it was an it was incredible. I think I that very first three and out, I, I tweeted not ideal, and then I retweeted it about twenty times the rest of the game. <laughs> uh, I mean, they went the first what six plays, pitching a perfect game essentially. I mean, three and out, and then three play touchdown. Like it was like I said, it, they they could have won that game by whatever amount they wanted to. They just deemed it merciful that they beat us 63 to 28. That was, that was mercy on their part. I mean, there's some crazy stats from this game. I mean, Oklahoma throughout the entire season and, and a lot has been made about LSU's defense and, you know, maybe it's not as good as has been in recent years and things like that. And, you know, it's not an SEC defense and this and that. So we've talked about success rate on the podcast before 
Oklahoma is very good at success rate. They're very consistent. They march down the field. Oklahoma for the game was at 31%, which is bad. You know, league or college football average is always somewhere around 41, 42%. LSU's success rate, 73%. Their offense was clicking at a 73% rate for the game. That's incredible. That's that's unstoppable. That's I, I don't know if that's how much of that is the Oklahoma defense. I don't know how much of that is the LSU offense, but that is incredible. That's an incredible number. Bill Connolly, the statistician for ESPN, had, according to his own win expectancy formula, had LSU's win expectancy of that game at 100 percent. There's. That doesn't happen. You don't see that in the box score very often. I mean, that's like uh, LSU played a FCS team or something. Just absolutely incredible. It was very remarkable how LSU seemed to give Jalen Hurts absolutely no one to throw to and at the same time kept him contained. I don't know if it was he was coached not to take off as much as he had been, or he just didn't have the lanes that he's used to having, but he just, he looked flustered. He looked like he was running out of time. He looked like he didn't have any answers downfield or right in front of him. And that's a recipe for uh, disaster for Oklahoma. More with Blinken Riley right after this on the Locked On Sooners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back with Blinken Riley, Stephen Smith. Follow his work on Twitter at Blinken Riley. Also find his stuff at BlinkenRileyPresents.com. And Stephen, I ask you this in uh, hindsight, so I have the gift of 2020 uh, in 2020. Did they get it right? Did they get the, the fourth team in the playoff right to go against undefeated LSU, undefeated Ohio State, undefeated Clemson? Should they have used? Should they have slid Georgia in there? Would Georgia have been a better representative, as we saw maybe last night in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor, or possibly Oregon, as we saw yesterday in the Rose Bowl? You know, I, I don't know. Um, one, I'm going to say that I don't know that there's a right or a wrong it's hard for us to say because football can go, you know, it can be one of those days where just nothing's working out for you. I mean, Oklahoma lost to Kansas state, right? I mean, no one saw that coming. No one thought that, you know, Oh, Oklahoma's going to go to Manhattan and, you know, lose a close one. That was on nobody's mind. And nobody was thinking that 
it, football is such a it's almost like baseball where any given day any team can win and not just win but win by a huge margin so i don't know about the margin really being that indicative of how good this team is against this team especially in bowl season when there's so much you know especially outside of college football playoff at this point um you know these other bowls bowl record and how they how they perform aren't really i wouldn't say a good gauge or representative sample of how that team was throughout the season. Um, people like to think of it that of it that way because it's easy to do so. Um, it's easy to have that last game, you know, be the kind of cap to the season and how you play in that last game is kind of what people remember you that season for. And it's why Texas is always ranked in the top 10 every year uh, in the preseason. It's because they, you know, go out and win some bowl game and that's all, you know, oh, they're going to be good this year, this next year. It's it's not really that. It's not as representative as people might think it is. Um, there's a ton of things that happen like players not playing, uh, motivation's a little different. You have time off between your last game and, you know, people get out of shape. Uh, coaches change. There's a ton of stuff that goes into this. And, you know, do I think Oklahoma deserved to be there? I don't know. I'm not on the committee. Probably deserved to be there. Um, but until there's an actual playoff where you can, like, mathematically play your way into a playoff game, it remains an invitational tournament like the NCAA basketball tournament. Uh a group of people decide who gets to go and who doesn't. And honestly, at the end of the day, you, you can't say one way or the other if one team des- deserves to be there or one another team deserves to be there. One team got in, one team didn't. So, yeah, I, I'm thinking that, uh, and I'll stand by what I said going in, uh, just like I did in 2004 when Auburn was undefeated, but came from ranked in the 20s in the preseason. Oklahoma that year was was undefeated, ranked number two from the preseason. How do you take an undefeated number two ranked team and, and move them out of the top two when you're talking about the BCS championship game? I'll say the same thing about this. I said Oklahoma was the fourth best team, and I'll stand by that. Did they play like it? Absolutely not. They played like garbage. But... Uh, going in, they were the most deserving. They had the best resume. They were. They had the. I thought the fourth best team in the country. So, as we measure the 2019 season in retrospect, uh, a pretty good season. 12 and two for a year that you're replacing Kyler Murray, a year that you're replacing 80 percent of your starting offensive line, and you have injury problems across your offensive line all season. Uh, a year you're replacing your defensive coordinator, and he's installing a new system. Uh, I thought 12 and two was a was an unbelievable effort for Oklahoma, just considering the fact that this was Lincoln Riley declined to call it a rebuilding year, but it was a transition year for OU. Yeah, I think so. It was a it was a at the very least an unknown year. Um, you know, you're not losing even with Kyler Murray. You know, you're kind of returning these core skill players and line players and. Um, you know, you knew you had an athlete at quarterback, so there was unknown there. But honestly, that was less of a rebuilding year or transition year as this year for sure. I think twelve and two is incredible. 
Um, you know, if somebody said going into this season, hey, your team is going to go 12 and 2, that would have been, I'd have been, that's awesome. That's probably better than I would have pegged them. Um, I would have put them at probably 10 wins or so. It's crazy what Lincoln Riley has done. And I think this is probably his best coaching effort. Um, you know, people make a lot of the transfer quarterbacks and yeah, this is third in a row, you know, but this is the only one he's had for one year. You know, he, he got here the same time Baker Mayfield did. So he had Baker Mayfield for three years. So it was essentially his quarterback. Kyler Murray got here the year after Baker Mayfield did. So he had him for what, two, three years. Hertz showed up and started playing. That's a completely different thing. You know, they're all transfer quarterbacks, but this was a completely different situation. And I think I think what he's done and to maintain that kind of, you know, it's a different looking offense, but it's still still a very efficient offense. And to do what he's done is pretty incredible. What stands out to you about, uh, you know, looking back at the season, 14 games, championship, um, statistically uh, comparable to what Baker Mayfield did and as the quarterback and what Kyler Murray did as the quarterback, what stands out to you the most? Yeah, he's uh, he, this season he the Oklahoma offense averaged 7.96 yards per play on offense, which is a little bit down from the last couple of years. But I think that put puts puts Lincoln Riley for his career head coaching or not even just head coaching. Uh, his career calling the like since he's been calling the plays at Oklahoma, he's averaged over 7.9 yards per play, which is better than so. Army in 1945 set the record at 7.9, and that record stood for almost 60 years until Hawaii beat it in uh, the early 2010s or 2006, maybe. And Lincoln Riley has averaged that over a career, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, even with the way offenses are changing and offenses are getting better and more explosive, even still, that's an incredible stat. I think that is just, it's mind-blowing with the number of plays that have gone into his career at this point. I mean, you're talking about, what, 800, 900 a season for five seasons now? Three as head coach, two as offensive coordinator? I mean, you're talking over 4,000 plays, and he's averaging uh, over 7.9. That's incredible. So he's done that with, as we talked many times on this podcast and several times today, with Baker Mayfield, with Kyler Murray, with Jalen Hurts, three different guys, three different skill sets. That's what I wrote for Sporting News. So what's next? Um, I think we can make the leap and say the fourth quarter showed us that the Spencer Rattler era has begun. Lincoln poo-pooed it the next day and said, no, nah, that's just, that, that's not how we do things here. I had both quarterbacks ready. And if he had completed that pass, I was going to run Tanner Mordecai out there. I'm not sure anybody buys that, but to be fair, sure, whatever. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of the, the Spencer Rattler decision to, to finish that game? Part of me, the, you know, kind of, I don't know, skeptic or uh, cynical part of me wants to say, you know, the quarterback position and the depth chart is a fluid thing throughout the season. And just because in the early part of the season, when we saw Tanner Mordecai come in before Spencer Rattler, uh, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the case at the end of the season. Spencer Rattler may have overtaken him on the depth chart. We, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, he was just the next guy up. But we kind of have seen from Lincoln Riley before some kind of, um, I don't know, gamesmanship, flair for the dramatic. You know, uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, um, especially when it comes to relating to kids, you know, recruits, showing them what's up, you know, hey, here's the future. Um, and so part of me thinks that that was a statement and saying, you know, here, here's what we got next year. Come take a look. And, you know, and I'm not at practice. I don't know. I don't, I don't see Spencer Rattler day in and day out. But I can tell you from what I have seen, uh, the guy can spin it. And so uh, it's it's pretty exciting. I, I, I mean, I think, as most people think, he's probably going to win the job. We just – all that's based on hearsay. You know, none of us know. You know, if you're not at practice watching the kid play day in and day out. But everybody's definitely very excited. And I think Lincoln Riley was, uh, you know – I mean, at that point, the game was so out of hand that, you know, he I think he had resigned himself to the fact that Oklahoma was losing that game. And, you know, let's see what we can make out of this. What what, what can we do to kind of like drive that Oklahoma brand? You know, it's one of those things where uh, the NFL's great at it. The N- NBA is great at it. It's it's one of those things. What can we do going into the offseason to keep people talking about? the the program the football the what what can we do to make something news and i think that was maybe what he was after coming up next more blink and riley we're going to wrap up the show don't go anywhere it's the locked on sooners podcast part of the locked on podcast network Let's talk about the Big 12 Conference. Um, my goodness, what a pathetic, non-competitive performance by the Big 12 in the bowl season. We'll save Texas for last because Texas, as we all know, is the uh, Big 12's bright shining light in bowl season. Texas is obviously back. But man, can we get some competitiveness in the Big 12, please? So the Big 12 had a pretty tough draw you know, when it comes to the bowl games. And you know, you, you've... I, obviously you've covered college football for a lot longer than, you know, I've been watching it. And so, you know, how the bowls shake out, uh, you know, how there's kind of unevenness and, um, bowl bids and, you know, tie-ins and this and that. And so sometimes you get a good draw. Sometimes as a conference speaking, you get a good draw. Sometimes you get a bad draw. I think the, Big 12 had a very, very competitive draw. I mean, they're playing, you know, what was it? Iowa State versus Notre Dame, uh, Kansas State, Navy, uh, Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M, Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Um, you know, you've got, you know, Baylor versus Georgia. You're uh, Almost all these teams, I think, on paper were playing up to the competition. And so it's, it's disappointing, I think, uh, a little bit. Um, I'm personally not a rah-rah conference, you know, 
let's do it for the Big 12 kind of <laughs> kind of fan. But, I mean, it, it does, you know, people will talk about it for a couple of weeks about the Big 12's bowl record. But then, you know, come next August, nobody will remember. And so, yes, is it disappointing? It would have been nice to have Baylor beat Georgia, have a couple of more you know, teams show up, you know, maybe in Iowa state over Notre Dame. Yeah. That'd have been great. Uh, and you know, it would have shown a better light on the conference, but honestly, at the end of the day, like, like I spoke to earlier, bowl games are weird. They're wonky. They're hard to pick. You don't know what's going to happen. There's so many different, you know, curve balls that go into it that, uh, aren't there in the regular season that, it's, it's not a great gauge of how a conference, especially a, a conference as a whole, did over the course of a season. And so is it is it disappointing a little bit? It's frustrating to see Big 12 teams just lose over and over and over again. Is it a big deal? I'm not I'm not certain it is. I think it's a snapshot um, of where the team might be where where the conference is or might be in relation to other conferences. It's not a. It's not the ultimate indicator, but I do think it's a snapshot. Um, and then we see the Pac-12 send its runner-up out there for the ninth year in a row and lose its bowl game, which was a remarkable stat to me. The Pac-12 runner-up is 0-9 in bowl games. Why didn't I see that coming? That Utah, which is a far superior team and has been a superior team to Texas all season, goes out against Texas in the Houston Bowl and just gets routed. How about that performance by Texas? I don't know. That's incredible. I hadn't heard that stat. Uh, that's that is that's something else, especially with you know just kind of like I said the the wonkiness and unpredictability of bowl games. That's incredible. Nine yeah. oh and nine oh and nine. And I don't think Utah was uh, watching the little bit of that game that I did. I've DVR'd it. I haven't watched the full copy yet, but. I don't think they cared to be there at all. And they were playing in Houston, you know, where a bunch of Texas fans were. I mean, that was a road game for, for Utah. They were had their hearts broken because they were a playoff team before that. I think you tend to see when you when you see a playoff team get its heart broken and get kicked out of the playoff in the last you know championship Saturday, I think you tend to see them not perform well, such as Georgia last year against Texas. Texas has been feasting on these uh, conference runner-ups. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and it's hard to say. Like, as somebody who played, you know, sports all all my life, um, it's hard to say they didn't care. But you're right. There's some weird thing where if you lose a a big important game, you just almost can't get up enough for the next one. That it, even if you try, even if you care, even if you want to, it's really hard to kind of capture that same intensity even if you're trying your best and so yeah it's it's just texas is uh picking these poor poor teams off and so we do a a a bull pick them and you know we rate it by confidence and utah over texas was one of my like top 10 most confident there's no way Texas is beating Utah. Utah is the better team. And then that happened. That was incredible. But, you know, it'll it'll just uh, shoot Texas right up into the top ten again. Well, I mean, coming into this season, 
no team in the history of college football had ever been preseason top 15 and ended the season unranked as many times as Texas. And they added one this year, and I can only assume they're going to add one next year. So, Could be. Could be a lean year for Oklahoma, too. We'll have to talk about that in a future podcast. Stephen Smith, uh, Happy New Year. I'd say it's on to basketball, but I think we all know around here, spring football is what's up next. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, counting the days to the spring sale, you know. There you go. That's the only place I can get uh, OU gear. It's the only place they have stuff my size. It's last year's la- last year's inventory, right? Yeah, the I line. get that lineman gear. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, Stephen. As always, thanks, man. We will try to catch up next week. All right, sounds good. Thanks, sir. That's it for today's show. Locked on Sooners will be back Monday, and it's going to be interesting. Not sure what it's going to be. Football season being over and all, but we'll see. A lot of basketball to get to. That's coming up Monday on the Locked On Sooners podcast. The Locked On Sooners podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John Hoover, and you can follow me on Twitter at John E. Hoover, on Facebook at John E. Hoover Media, on YouTube at John Hoover. Find all my columns, stories, blogs, and more at thefranchiseok.com. And don't forget to follow the Locked On Sooners podcast on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Hit that subscribe button, share your Locked On Sooners podcast with your friends, and I would really love it if you left me a comment or a rating. Thanks for listening. See you guys.